Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. This podcast is sponsored by Deloitte. Deloitte is one of Canada's leading professional service firms that provides audit, tax, consulting, and financial advisory services. Its national security and justice practice is committed to partnering with public safety and justice organizations as they navigate the disruptive geopolitical landscape of today. The firm's seasoned advisors bring agile solutions ranging from large-scale technology transformation to new models of service delivery in order to drive value for officers, officials, and citizens. By helping its clients administer enhanced services to deliver better outcomes from pre-arrest to post-release, Deloitte strives to build a more equitable, accountable, and future-ready security and justice sector. Hello, Blue Line the Podcast subscribers. We hope you're doing well, and welcome back to another episode of Blue Line the Podcast. I'm Brianna Charlevoix, editor of Blue Line Magazine. Today, we are joined by Peel Deputy Chief Anthony O'Duarty. He was recently named the chair of the OACP's Interagency Advisory Panel for NG911 Implementation Recommendations for the Ontario Government. He joins us today to discuss NG911. Welcome, Anthony. Hey, Brianna. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So the discussion about NG911 has been ongoing for years, um, but for those who may not be as familiar with or know much about NG911, can you maybe start by explaining what it is and why it's important? Yeah, I'm going to do that. And, you know, for good reason, because there's even uh, public safety uh, agencies that don't have a good understanding, let alone the community. So I'm going to peel back the onion a bit on this. Hopefully I don't make anyone cry. And then uh, by the time I'm done, we'll be able to have at least a little better uh, of an understanding. So next generation NG911, it's a mandatory replacement from the CRTC, from the federal government of all existing current 911 infrastructure systems processes and procedures across the entire nation. So not only here in Ontario, uh, where I'm from, but coast to coast. And so the current 911 system is reaching end of life and it can't keep up with really existing technologies. So the expectation is to modernize the system. And we have to do that by changing infrastructure uh, processes and, and systems, just as I mentioned before. But it's not all about new technology. It's going to impact so many other things, including wellness of the community members who utilize the system, call takers who take in calls in a different manner. I'll get to that in a minute. And also our first responders who actually respond to this. Um, you know, the NG911 system and the CRTC just released this the other day. So this is, this is timely for the podcast, has mandated timelines for this. And so the timeline to be able to accept initial calls will be March 2022. Now, that's a year later from their original calls. And there's a new deadline by the t- for PSAP, what are called public safety answering points, to decommission the existing 911. And that's in 2025, March 2025. So uh, a lot of uh, implications, uh, certainly for our community, uh, for our first responder agencies who take in the call, otherwise known as PSAPs. Um, And so this is the new way a community member will be able to call 911 and utilize the services. Now, let me just say one more thing. Like I mentioned, it won't just be technology. It'll be about the real life experiences using NG. NG 911, make no mistake about it, is going to be an enhancement. It will provide greater security and response for people in crisis, for people with uh, problems, 
uh, for people in emergency situations. But there's also some things that we need to uh, understand about the system and uh, communicate with our communities about how to implement it. Right. So obviously, this is a pretty big um, transition. So how um, would you say agencies and provincial governments should be thinking about this? Well, part of my role uh, for the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, the OACP NG911 committee, is to be a facilitator for many organizations and supply the government, Ontario government in this case, with recommendations from subject matter experts on what are the things that we need to see as we move over to the new system. Specifically, the uh, OACP committee I sit on uh, represents Association Municipalities of Ontario, fire agencies, paramedic agencies, police agencies, police services board agencies. And so we've come together and we've really um, asked the, in this case, the Ontario government and, uh, and by nature, all provincial governments to think of three main bucketed themes. And these are, of course, governance. How will the new system uh, uh, provide for policies, procedure, governance, and oversight? Funding, there has to be a mechanism to fund all this new infrastructure. Is it going to be a tax? Is it going to be a levy? Are police services, are ambulance services, fire services going to have to ante up on top of their existing budgets to be able to provide this? And of course, then education. And it's not just education for our community members, but it's education for our public safety agencies and our critical infrastructure partners too, who utilize the, uh, uh, and will utilize the NG911 system. So really the pressures to the provincial government, what we're asking them to think about are those three big bucket. Underneath, underneath those three big bucketed themes are many of the intricacies that will be sort of fleshed out and teased out about day-to-day -day operations. But those three big buckets are keys to moving forward. Awesome. And obviously, this is going to be a, a pretty big uh, game changer, both for emergency responders and um, for the people that they serve. So what can agencies do to fully optimize um, the technology? Well, first, let me make the distinguishment between a primary PSAP, public safety answering point, and a secondary PSAP, because th this will help answer the question a bit. So a public safety answering point for our community members and for our public safety partners is really that sort of agency that receives the 911 calls. And that's a primary because they get that right from the 911 system. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually at the very highest level trying to break this down. There's much more to this. Right. Secondary <laughs> PSAP receives their uh, 911 calls from the primary PSAP essentially. And so in order for this to work properly, the government has stated that really for the next generation 911, there'll be no difference between the primary and secondary PSAP as there is today. So all the PSAPs have to sort of come together and there's quite a few of them within this province, certainly quite a few around the nation and determine whether or not they want to sort of combine services, offer the same sort of services within the same geographical location, uh, not in the same geographical location, consolidate, cooperate, um, all these systems sort of have to be looked at. This is the biggest game changer of NG911 is the interoperability piece. And what I mean by that is and the 911 system, it was always meant to be very interoperable. A call could be transferred from place A, perhaps uh, in a province to place B in a province and be able to get that critical data. NG911 looks to capitalize on, on that more effectively and efficiently which will require 
uh, PSAPs to work together. And Brianna, let me give you an example of that. One of the enhancements for NG911 is, is called real-time texting. And real-time texting is the ability for a PSAP, a call center, to receive 911 calls via texting. But it's a little different from the SMS texting that we see today, where, you know, if I'm texting a friend, I'll be able to text, and then they don't get the message until I hit send. With real-time texting, it allows the call-taking agency um, to see the text as it's being typed. Hmm. And that what that does is it cuts down on inefficiency, it allows a more fluid communication flow, and it allows a call taker and dispatcher to be more efficient in receiving the information, especially in an emergency situation. Now, in order to do that, the technologies have to be installed, tested, operated, and PSAPs have to come together to understand how that will work when one agency receives a call and may need to get it to another. So if I can summate it by saying this is that a whole lot of interoperability has to happen with the cooperation of all public safety agencies coming together to understand how they want this to roll out. Interesting. I guess my next question would be, you know, as the world kind of becomes more technologically rich, um, there obviously is an increased accountability for how police are, you know, held accountable for their data and their possession, but also how they use it within the services that they provide. So I'm wondering whether you can let me know or can explain about how, uh, like what opportunities this kind of represents as well as you know risks or any considerations that um, emergency service providers should be thinking about within the context of this conversation that's an amazing question and you know we could probably spend an entire <laughs> podcast just on on this question and it really has and uh, and as i emphasized before a lot more to do with just the technology but let me answer the question this way first of all current geopolitical times the scrutiny on uh, police in particular holding data, being transparent, the security of data uh, has never been more intense. And rightfully so. We need to treat uh, people's private information, which includes information that may come over the NG system uh, with the utmost respect and security and not use it for any other purpose than to provide safety for our communities. And so in another project that I'm working on, um, it's, it's, it's first in Canada is a voluntary uh, project that we've undertaken with the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Uh, part of that is the ensuring that there is a transparent, ethical view to accepting data and then using it for emergency purposes. This is one stream that we don't often look at when we speak about emergency situations, right? And, and rightfully so in some cases, because we are doing what we can to provide aid to someone in crisis or an emergent situation as fast as we can. But it is a consideration. Community engagement in the fulfillment of the NG911 dossier is going to be huge. It's going to be needed so that the public can understand what happens to their data in this data-rich society. There's also a requirement, a need, and a necessity for PSAPs to receive this data from the community an onus on us to be able to disseminate it to the appropriate public safety agency, whether it's police, fire, ambulance, and to critically, reliably, cyber securely deliver it so that the frontline members can respond accordingly. And that's a part of a bit of a technical component. It's also part of a cyber secure component that we are certainly looking into. 
So what happens if a network goes down? Are we still gonna be able to transfer the data? Do we have provisions to be able to do that? Remember, radio systems, uh, when it comes down to it, are the most uh, reliable method of communication because they operate over airwaves that are resistant, reliable, and built to public safety standards. And we have to figure this uh, out as well for NG911. So that sort of being said, governments obviously play a role in this transformation. So um, given your role as chair of the provincial NG911 interagency advisory panel, um, I'm wondering what you can share with us um, on the role of government. Yeah, and I, I touched on this a little bit before, and I think really governments and specifically here in Ontario, because of the familiarity I have with working with them over the uh, over months, uh, on this dossier is really their interest in delivering the most reliable, resilient product they can for PSAPs to then execute on. And this is what I mean by that. And first of all, let me let me take a time out and say this. Listen, I was hired like 26 years ago because I could do 50 push-ups and run a mile and a half in like under nine minutes. So, <laughs> you know, they're not getting a ton of technical expertise necessarily that they're looking for. I think what they do want from the committee is the best subject matter expert advice on how to roll out the system. And those were those three big bucketed themes that I talked to you about, and that was funding, education, and governance. And so we've set the subjects um, and we've set the, we've contextualized the subject around these, and we've provided the information to the government and the ministries to be able to now to go out, execute on what it is that PSAPs really need. But here's the juice on it. It's when we come together and problem solve and figure this out alongside with the community that we will have the most advanced, enhanced NG911 system uh, around. And I know and I can speak confidently on behalf of all provinces uh, in Canada that they're all taking that approach. Uh, and we have various committees, not only here at the provincial level, we have national level committees, several national level committees. And there's also the private industry that weighs in on the best way to ensure the safety of our community and the well-being of our community. And this is one of them. So another sort of aspect of this um, will be the mental health sort of impacts, because um, obviously the transmission of sensitive or graphic um, data will likely occur with uh, NG911 implementation. So everyone from call takers to dispatchers to responding officers may be exposed to, to graphic imagery. So I'm wondering whether you can speak to the potential impacts that that may have on first responders. Yeah, I will. And this is, uh, I'm glad we're bringing this up because this is going to be very impactful. We know in a time, in this time, that mental health is appropriately, thank goodness, being given the attention that it requires, uh, especially in the first responder realm. Um, first responders um, see, act, and participate in events, often crisis and emergency events that have long-standing uh, mental health implications uh, for them. NG911 will enhance how we provide community safety, but it will have impacts we have to consider. And first of all, let me give a quick shout out to the Emergency Services Working Group. They're a national entity that is helping figure this part out. And there's a lot of good people on the what's called the SWIC from around the country, coast to coast, uh, who are not just taking in the technical uh, parameters of what is needed, but they are looking at the impacts on, of course, first responders. Hmm. And so wellness of our call takers, communicators, 
and frontline members uh, will be impacted because now it is not just a phone call in terms of uh, receiving a call where yes, uh, there's impacts certainly from receiving a phone call because you can hear in emergency situations the distress, but now there will be an opportunity for NG911 to accept and have to deliver graphic per se, images per se, photos, videos uh, of these events occurring in real time. And, you know, it will take longer for uh, call takers and dispatchers to be able to, in, in a wellness uh, perspective, uh, most likely to um, respond to a situation like that. And so we're figuring out what is the best process? What is the best timeline? Uh, how do we make sure that the support are necessary to uh, support uh, public safety agencies, PSAP, PSAPs, and frontline members with this new method of delivering NG911 services? So it is top of mind. I don't know that we have the full answer baked yet. It might be half-baked, but we are certainly looking towards a robust uh, wellness capacity for PSAP um, employees, first responder, frontline members, and also our community members. Yeah, definitely uh, top of mind nowadays. Um, so I guess the last question that I have um, would be um, this piece that you've kind of mentioned about community engagement and education. And so I'm wondering how that will sort of go with the implementation of NG911. Yeah, it's a great question. And because we're really in the infancy now of being able to understand what the timelines are, um, there are across the, across the nation, there will be engagement plans with uh, PSAPs, again, the public safety answering points and their geographic location with their communities. And part of that will have to do with the education piece. Now, remember, information, communication is really two different things. It's information and education, both uh, of which could be two separate things. It's okay to inform the community of what's happening. It's better to educate and receive the feedback and say, hey, what about this? And then adjust. And I think that's really the approach that we would like to take on this. So the engagement piece will be critical in planning. And the initial approach here, uh, at least where I am, is to be able to provide information and then engage through uh, many different uh, councils and committees uh, across our region, and then receive the feedback and see where we can enhance uh, an, uh, an already existing system and where we can enhance it even further for this new incoming NG911 system. So I think the engagement piece and allowing the community uh, to come in and have a voice will be key. And let me tell you, we're not always good at that. And over the years, we've become much better at that from a, from a public safety standpoint. Um, and so uh, we have taken this into consideration and we think it'll be a, a key deliverable. Awesome. Is there anything else that, you know, you think is relevant or, or people might be interested to know on the topic of NG911 that we haven't addressed today? You know, I think at the very highest level, um, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you know that there's going to be a new system for being able to access 911 services. It's going to allow for new modern technology, the transformation of data versus only voice, you know, texting, videos. Uh, there'll be all these sort of cool applications that exist right now that you'll be able to use on a mobile device uh, uh, to access 911. So this is great because it's now going to provide more opportunities for public safety response. I think from a public safety standpoint, if I'm, let's just say, a frontline police officer who's worried about this tsunami of data, perhaps that they're going to be uh, inundated with, you know, I think what we want to do is sort of 
calm fears along there to know that there's an implementation, a staggered implementation process that will that will see and realize a very thoughtful dissemination of that data to our first responders. And then this analysis uh, of the data and how it's going so that we can really implement an NG911 system that meets everyone's needs. So all in all to say, this is a super good thing. It's awesome. It's going to benefit community safety and well-being, uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time and we're going to use it all to make sure that we provide the best product and service. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing that valuable insight. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. Be sure to check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to date on all your Canadian policing news at blueline.ca. Thanks so much for everyone who listened. This podcast is sponsored by Deloitte. Deloitte is one of Canada's leading professional service firms that provides audit, tax, consulting, and financial advisory services. Its national security and justice practice is committed to partnering with public safety and justice organizations as they navigate the disruptive geopolitical landscape of today. The firm's seasoned advisors bring agile solutions ranging from large-scale technology transformation to new models of service delivery in order to drive value for officers, officials, and citizens. By helping its clients administer enhanced services to deliver better outcomes from pre-arrest to post-release, Deloitte strives to build a more equitable, accountable, and future-ready security and justice sector. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. <laughs>